we are so grateful that you are here, and if it's your first time here today, let me introduce you myself. I'm Pastor Kerry Robinson, and I'm the lead pastor here, and I am so excited that I get to be the, the pastor of this church. Let, let me explain. I've been the pastor for a long time, and I've been excited for a long time, but this was a kind of a special week. See, in all the years I've been pastor here, God has blessed me with an unusual amount of health so that I've, I've never missed a major event in the life of this church due to illness until this week. And, and this week, um, after staff meeting on Tuesday, I realized how sick I was and how I'd probably shared it all with everybody on staff. And, and, I, and I basically was out of commission until last night. Um, and, and so um, that's why when I was greeting some of you before the service, those of you on campus, I'm like, hey, just you know, stay away. Uh, this, this means I love you, but don't get too close, all right? And, uh, and so, uh, but during that time where I was sick, I, I started watching God do some amazing things. You see, back in the summer, we started planning as a staff what, what it would look like for us to try and, and bring back some of our on-campus events for the community. Uh, when the pandemic hit, we, we let those things go away. And some of you know we, we hosted our first, our first major community event uh, with the Wren Collective concert back in September. Uh, and it was well attended and things went well and, and we were grateful for that. And then we had made plans to do a Christmas experience, a, a kind of a shorter version of uh, what we used to do called Imagine Christmas, a more condensed version. Uh, and, and we didn't know. I mean, we kept telling volunteers, those of you who were, who were here serving on the teams, we kept saying, you know, we don't know if 50 people are going to show up or 500 people are going to show up, uh, but we're going to be here and we're going to tell the story about Christmas in Bethlehem. And I just have to say thanks to, to Pastor Mark and Pastor Kayla for their leadership, for our entire team who helped with it. Because guys, on the two Friday nights, on December 2nd and then this past Friday night, over 750 people from our community came through this place. Some of you are here today, and we are so glad to welcome you uh, into this place on campus. Um, and we are so excited to know, uh, to watch children. So for, I'm, I, was, you know, I was texting people Friday night while it's going on, going, how's it going? Did anybody show up? How's it? And then to get the report that God just moved in very special ways in some of your lives, and we are just so grateful for that. And, and I just wanted to ask you, would you help me thank uh, Pastor Kayla, Pastor Mark, our pastoral staff and leadership team, and, and all the servant leaders who were a part of the teams that helped make that a reality. Would you help me thank them today? Now, at the same time that that's going on, then out in the Life Center, Operation Love, one of our community partners, uh, was preparing to distribute and then distributing toys to over children from over 350 families in the community, um, over 760 different children. Um, in fact, with all cold, there were somewhere close to 1,200 adults because in addition to the ones that were here, there were another 50 families that were sponsored. One of the other local churches here in town was a part of that distribution. We're a part of a, of a cooperative alliance of churches that sponsor this uh, Operation Love here in the city, and many of you served there. I'm so grateful for that. Many of you came over this week and served, and I just want to say thank you for what you did and for the way that you 
are making a difference in the lives of families in the Madison County, Delaware County, Henry County area. You are making a major difference. And I just, as your pastor, I just wanted to say thank you. Because I got sick, I couldn't walk around and see it all, but I kept seeing pictures. And, and I just want to say to you how grateful I am to be a part of a church where people will give of their time and also give of their, of their resources because this week we, we presented uh, Andrea Baker, the head of, of Operation Love, with the first of two checks uh, the, because money's still coming in. And the first check we gave her was for $10,000 that you people have given above and beyond your normal, regular offerings. And then there's another, at this last count, between four and $5,000 that has already been given. And so you as a church will give somewhere between fourteen dollars and $15,000 to help families in this community. And as your pastor, I may have been sick, but I was happy, okay? And I wanna say thank you for, for doing that today. So I want you to take a minute and remember the greatest Christmas gift you've ever received. I want you to think of me. You may have to, may have to remember like, I don't know, a bicycle when you were 10. Ah, wait a minute, PlayStation. For, for some of you, for some of you, it was that, it was that cell phone. Yeah, we're not gonna talk about how old you were because you, you, you wore your parents down. They, they told you you couldn't have it until a certain age, but you wore them down and you got it earlier, all right? I don't know what the greatest Christmas gift you have, but I want you to think about it. The one that, that just brought you the greatest excitement. I mean, you couldn't wait to see, is this one gonna be under the tree, okay? I want you to hold on to that thought for a minute. I want you to get that image in your mind. I want you to remember that feeling. And now I wanna read you the greatest Christmas gift you'll ever receive. Listen, it comes from the Gospel of Luke in the second chapter, beginning in verse one. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. See, the, the greatest Christmas gift you've ever been given is the gift God has given you of Jesus. And if you don't know him, if you've never met him, if he's not a part of your life on a daily basis, then no matter what gift you get this December 25th, no matter what memory you have of gifts that you've received, you have yet to receive the greatest Christmas gift you'll ever get. And when I read this passage, there are nuances to this passage that, that grab my heart. I, I told someone this week, I, 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 I've been preaching 
Christmas series of sermons in Advent since I was 25 years old, and that's just a few years ago. <laughs> and, and every Christmas, I, I look forward to this, and I hear people say to me, well, don't you ever get tired of me? How many times can you say the baby's been born in the manger, right? As many as you want, because it never loses its amazement. Because if you fully understand what was going on, if you fully understand what God was doing and the nuances and the way that God, the way that God made that event so unique. Well, yeah, I, yeah Pastor, I, I get it. You know, he's the son of God and his mom, you know, was Mary, but Joseph was not his real dad because the Holy Spirit's his real dad. And that, you know, I get all that. He's 100% God, 100%. No, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about beyond all the theology of it. Beyond all the miraculous, the, the actual nuances of this story. So that God would, that God would wrap this gift in some things that, that actually fit into your life and my life. Kind of like what happened around here this week. When I, I got to watch God work by taking a step back from my normal routine and taking all the medicines and stuff that my wife made me take and going, okay. Let's see what God's up to. And just watching time after time after time. And when you look at this story, there are parts of this story that, that we just slide right on by because they become literature, they become history, but, but they, they, you can't slide by them. They mean too much. Let's start, for instance, with the fact that, that Jesus is born in Bethlehem, okay? And that Mary and Joseph are from Nazareth. And how do, they, how do they get there? Well, well, God uses a Roman emperor. And an emperor who has no idea about messianic prophecy. An emperor who has no allegiance to, to the God of the Bible at all. An emperor who's interested in only one thing, counting how many people he controls. And that emperor sends out an edict because he is the most powerful man in his world and he wants to know how powerful he is and so he sends out an edict. Everybody needs to go back to the place of their family's origin and we'll count you from there. So Joseph and Mary, even though she's pregnant, have to leave their hometown of Nazareth and go back to the family of his heritage, to that house of David in Bethlehem. And by the way, they weren't alone. The place was packed. But here's what blows me away. The place was packed with their relatives. Did you ever catch that in the story? All those people going to Bethlehem, they are also from the house of David. So everybody ever descended from David who lives in a Roman-occupied world at that moment when the emperor sends it out, they have to go back to Bethlehem. No wonder there was no room for them in the end. But can I tell you something? Not even their own family made room for Jesus. I, I, I grew up in a family where I, I never knew my, my paternal grandparents. They both died before I was born. My uh, my maternal grandfather um, 
died when I was a toddler. There are pictures of the two of us together, but I have no memory of him. The only memory I have of a grandparent is my grandma Tony, my mother's mom, who lived on a little town called Alum Springs, Kentucky, outside of Danville, Kentucky, which is still not anywhere many of you have heard of. And, and in her little country house, it had two stories and a basement. And the basement was really, it, it wasn't finished. There were, there were four things in the basement. There, there, were, there were all of the apples and applesauce she had made from her orchard. There were other canned goods. There was a makeshift shower in the corner. I say makeshift in that the plumbing came out of a concrete wall and there was a shower head and it went down and there was a, there was a, um, there, there was, there was a drain and hanging on the shower where you turn the water on or off was a rope of soap. First place I'd ever seen a rope of soap in my life. I asked why the shower was there. My grandmother said, well, it's because of your uncle because she had six children, my uncle Claude and his five sisters. <laughs> As he said, I went to World War II to get away from them, you know. But they loved each other deeply. And my mother was the youngest of the six kids. And my father was a pastor. One of my mother's other sisters married a pastor. And one of the other sisters married a man who studied for ministry. It was a very Christian family. But my mama was the baby. And so when my dad married into that family, there was a promise made that because he was taking the baby girl out of the family, he would always bring her home to see her mother at Christmas. So, so they would go. We would come from wherever we were pastoring, from wherever my family was serving, from West Texas, halfway between El Paso and Dallas in a place called Big Spring. My mom and dad would drive sometimes through the night in order to get my mama home for Christmas. And when we got to my grandmother's house, because out of those six children, there were 27 grandchildren. Not everybody came at the same time, but we filled that house. Now, I will have to say to you, it didn't always seem fair the way it got filled because each, obviously each of the married couples got a bedroom. All the granddaughters got to sleep in the room with grandma. That's cool. But all the grandsons, and there were several of us, had to sleep in the basement next to the coal bin. I can still smell that coal bin. And every Christmas when we would come in and, and, and we, would, we would pile in that house. I mean, it was a good pecking order though. At least I wasn't the youngest of the grandsons because the youngest one had to sleep the closest to the coal bin. But we made room in that house for everybody. If any of the family came, you, you made room for them. You moved over, you, you gave them space. In this story, Mary and Joseph's own family don't even make room for them. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, all these years, I just, I'd read the story and think, well, it's a crowded place, no room for them in the inn. Oh, there's a kind innkeeper, he gives them a place to stay. No, 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 it's their own family. 
I mean, some of you think your families are bad, and some of your families are. I've, I've heard stories. And you got dysfunction, running crazy. But, but there was no room in the family for the Son of God to be born. I don't know why. I mean, John, John the Baptist was there at three months old. Because Zachariah and Elizabeth were also of the house of David. If that edict went to everybody and everybody had to be registered, then you got to know Zachariah and Elizabeth drug a three-month-old down to Bethlehem. All of these people were there, but nobody made room for Mary and Joseph. So this Christmas, when you feel like nobody cares about you and nobody knows about your hurt and your pain, you kind of know God's greatest gift was born into that same kind of feeling and pain. But when God sends his gift, he wraps it in some amazing ways. Because when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he was born in an unexpected way. See, God's Christmas gifts come wrapped in the unexpected. It is the unexpected that makes the greatest impact in your life. Years ago, when my sons, who are now grown men, were, were in elementary school, one of them, I, I won't mention which one, came to me in October. Dad, I want a skateboard for Christmas. I said, son, you'll kill yourself. You'll break an ankle, you'll, I don't care, I want one of those. Nope. Not gonna do it. Dad, he comes back about two weeks later. Dad, I made a little money selling some of my stuff to my friends. Actually, <laughs> y'all think this is fun. My boys moved up here from Florida. They had never seen Buckeyes. So they and their friends found a Buckeye tree in the woods behind our house. And they were, thought they were so unique that they uh, sprayed them with one of the girl's mother's perfume. And, and actually sold them to the neighbors for 50 cents a piece as air fresheners, okay? <laughs> Poor people in my neighborhood, right? And, 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 so, they, and so what happens is they, 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 he's got this money. He says, hey, Dad, I got some money. If I give you the money, will you put some money with it and buy me a skateboard for my Christmas gift? And I looked at him and I said, no. Why not? Because you're telling me what gift you want. And another whole sermon we're not going to preach today is some of you do that to God with the stuff you want him to give you. But that'll be for after Christmas. We'll come back later. All right? Because today what I want you to understand is that, that this gift that's given was wrapped in the unexpected. Oh, and by the way, because some people get on me and say, Pastor, you never told me the end of the story. I bought him the skateboard. He got it for Christmas. We're all right, okay? I think he still has it now. But, but here's the deal. When Mary and Joseph showed up, her pregnant, amidst their family, they showed up in a way that, that was totally unexpected. Nobody predicted that God would show up in that way except one prophet. And nobody was really paying attention. I mean, come on, the Roman, the Roman emperor? He didn't, 
He didn't do this to help God out. He did this for power. And so what happens is that, that God's greatest gifts to us show up in unexpected places. I don't know where they are for you. I don't know what God has been doing in your life. I know the things I've seen this week. I've shared a couple of them with you. And they are blessings. They are gifts. And, and, and what, I, what I know is that, that when those unexpected gifts show up, get this, they show up in the everydayness of our life. They, they, they show up not, not in the spectacular things we plan, not in the grandiose schemes we come up with. I told you earlier, when we were thinking about, you know, we're do, in the summer, our staff is talking about, do we bring back a Christmas event on campus after having canceled all the stuff because of the pandemic? When's it right time? Will there be a surge? And this week when I saw that hospitals around here are bringing back the mask mandates because of flu, when you go into the hospitals, when, when, I, when I got sick, when I'm seeing the emergency rooms and med checks are overflowing with people and children, who are, I'm going, yeah, right, and we, and we, planned, and we planned to have an on-campus event. You know. And you know what God said? God said, watch this. In the midst of the everydayness, I'm gonna show you some stuff. See, that, that, that's the beauty of the gift of Jesus, is that you don't have to wait for something special. The Christmas story lets us know God shows up unexpectedly in the everydayness of our life. One of, the, one of the things that happened for me and one of the things that, that I think would happen for you is the same thing that happened for, for Mary and Joseph and honestly for the whole world. Because when God showed up in an unexpected way, in the everydayness of their life. He did it in such a way that you couldn't miss it, but in such a subtle way that people coming after you might not. For me, it happened when I was having a conversation with a single mom from our community. I've known this young lady for a few years. Um, she is a local business person that my wife and I do business with. I, I remember hearing her story, first met her several Christmases ago when her husband left her for another woman. Left her with a, a one-year-old, less than one-year-old at that time, and a couple of four-year-olds. And I remember her just talking about her pain that Christmas. I remember my wife and I trying to do a few things to help her out. Other people were doing some things. She, she doesn't go to church here. She's just somebody we know. And, and through the years, that relationship has grown a little bit. And, and I happened to see her a couple of weeks ago, and she's been doing so well. I mean, she bought a home. She's found a church home she likes. She's just, just doing great. Her boys are doing well in school. They're in like second grade now. And, and as we're having a conversation, I start telling her, because I'm remembering this, the year that she struggled, right? And I start telling her about this Operation Love thing that's happening here. And about how all these families that need help and all these children that need help are, are gonna get help and how great you are as a church and how the other churches in the Alliance are great. And, and it's a wonderful thing that we're doing for the community. And as I'm talking, she starts to tear up. And I said, you okay? 
I was trying to tell you a good story. She said, Carrie, you know my story. I've been doing really well. I got all my credit cards paid off, I, I work, but I've been working hard. I'm, you know, I'm a single mom. I've got two jobs, and, and I'm, I'm going at it, and I'm trying to make it. But things just started breaking about six weeks ago, and my whole, my whole life, just, and I had to use my credit card, and now I don't know if I'm going to have enough for my, for my boys for Christmas. And, and this group you're talking about, I applied to them, and I didn't hear anything back. Now, for those of you who know me, that's like saying sick them to a dog, okay? I'm like, okay, here we go. I said, I will, I, give me, I, I, I said, look, I know, I know I'm a married man. I know you're a single woman. I'm about to ask you a question that many would consider inappropriate. But can you give me your phone number? She gave me her name, her phone number. I said, I'll get you a call within an hour. I, I, I left her place of business and I called back here to the church. I talked to my, to my friend Chris Castleton, Operation Love, and, uh, and he said, uh, Carrie, she's on our list. I said, well, she hadn't heard anything, Chris, and I'm here to make you guys, you're gonna go talk. He said, Carrie, she's, not, she's already on our list. She's taken care of. It's gonna be fine. I said, well, she doesn't know she's taken care of. I left her, she's crying. She's got these boys and she's got these problems. He goes, look, we've got it. Would you give me the phone number? I said, yes, she said I could. And so I, I gave him the piece of paper and he looked at the phone and he goes, oh, we were off one number. We've been calling and calling and she hadn't been answering because we were off one number. So I said, well, call that number now. And so she call, he called. 30 minutes later, I get a phone call back and she's crying. She goes, Pastor Kerry, they're, they're, they're gonna take everything and do everything I ask for. And suddenly in the middle of that, in the middle of the everydayness, in the middle of the unexpected, I, I remembered something. I remembered that when Jesus was born, Mary, get this, wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. And some of you are looking at me going, what in the world do you mean by that, Pastor? No, it's like this. See. I'm a man. I'm from a generation that men didn't do, we, we didn't know. Now, some of you younger guys are gonna think we were absolutely stupid and most of us will tell you we probably were, okay? But I always thought that, you sw that swaddling claws were like a special kind of outfit. I didn't know that swaddling claws are just claws that are used to swaddle the baby. You, what, what do you mean? Some of you guys, I, I know you guys, some of you are looking at me like, what are you talking about, Pastor? The women are all looking at me like, y'all are dumb, all right? <laughs> and some of you guys who are stay-at-home dads and you're smarter than the rest of us, you've got it figured out and you're looking at me going, yeah, I'm smarter than you, Pastor, okay? But here's the deal. When a child is born, I, I learned this when my boys were born. My wife taught me this. Swaddling claws are not just special clothes. No, no, no. Claws are used to swaddle the baby. Why? 
Because the baby for nine months has been in the security of their mother's womb. They, the, the, the child has been in this very, very secure place. And the whole birth process, you want to talk about going from security to insecurity, think about the enlargement of that world. That child leaves everything the child has known, all the nourishment, all the safety, all the security of a mother's womb, and now suddenly is into the this. But mamas know, and smart daddies know, that, that if they will take cloth and wrap that child really tightly, I don't mean like too tight, but tightly, there's a way to swaddle the child. And you, you create for that child, in the midst of a very insecure world, you create a sense of security. So that child can rest. So that child can sleep. So that child can know they are loved and cared for, even though the whole world is different. And that's why I don't think it's any coincidence that Luke Luke, this historian, physician who checked out the stories before he wrote them down, says, when Mary and Joseph were in Bethlehem in the midst of their family and there were all these people and there was no room for them, all the ridicule because her story was so different, unique, Holy Spirit conceived child. When that baby was born, the very simple everyday act that parents do to swaddle their children becomes an image for us this Christmas in 2022 when there's a war still going on in the Ukraine, when there's an economy that some of you are scared to death of, when, when, there's, when there's all kinds of fluctuation morally in our world away from the, away from the morals of Scripture, that there's a way for us to remember that in our unexpected places, in the everydayness of our life, God swaddles us. He, he creates in us a security, not instead of insecurity, but in the midst of the insecurity. In the midst of the pain, in the midst of the fear, in the midst of the anxiety. Just like, just like a parent swaddles a child so that, that child can rest. This Christmas, my prayer for you is that you will allow God's gift of Jesus Christ to swaddle you so that you can be laid in a manger and rest secure. What do you mean, laid in a manger and rest secure? Pastor, I don't live in a barn. I know. But you live in a world full of insecurity and power struggles and animosity and anger and division. And if you're gonna make it through this Christmas season, you've gotta accept this gift, this gift of Jesus who, who comes into your, into your life in an unexpected way in the everydayness of your life, bringing you an opportunity to be swaddled, to be secure in the midst of the insecurity so that you can you can discover that God wraps his Christmas gifts in humility in the face of power. Because right now, 
in this world, there's a whole lot of people all about the power. And when God decided to talk to us, when God decided to speak the final definitive word about life and existence, he sent the very author of speech into a baby who couldn't talk so that we could see. And as that child began to grow and he, he began to speak, and the words he began to speak were different than the words that had been spoken by any other human being ever on the face of the earth before or since. Suddenly, suddenly the gift is being unwrapped. If we listen to the word himself, who faces down all the power structures, remember, He's born in Bethlehem because the most powerful man in the world sent out an edict. And his mom and dad, Joseph, will call his father because for those of you who have stepfathers or men who stepped into your life who are not your biological father, you know that they are as influential in your life as one young man said to me, he may not have given me life, but he has given me life. Because he's my father. And as Joseph and Mary stepped into the place where they were and God moved, the power structure of the world began to shake. Because on that night, a new kingdom was born. And that night, a, a way of life was born. On that night, unexpectedly, in the everydayness of a world, in a secure relationship, in the insecurity of the world, power met its match in humility. And this Christmas, December 2022, my prayer for you is that you will that, that, that you will have the same response to the birth of Christ that the shepherds whose light we acknowledge today in the advent lamps had. Do you remember? Jesus was laid in the manger. The shepherds were out in the fields. The angels showed up they declared this glorious news for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior. He's Christ the Lord. And suddenly there was a great host of the angels singing the praises, shouting the praises of God. And what happened? When they went away, do you remember? The shepherds said to themselves, let's go see. My friend, may this Christmas be your let's go see Christmas. May you unwrap the gift that comes in the unexpected, in the everydayness, in the, in the place in your life where, where all of your insecurity comes 
May you find security in a relationship with Jesus. Because I promise you, humility always trumps power every time. If you're on campus, stand with me and let's worship together. Peace, bring it all to peace. The storm surrounding me, let it break. At your name, still, you call the sea to still. The rage in me is still every way at your name, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, your silence fear, oh, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Breathe, you call these bones to live, you call these lungs to sing once again. I will praise and we sing Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, your silence free, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, sing it again, we sing Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, of his name. Your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is a light forever lifted high. Your name cannot be pray with me on campus, online, even later this week on demand. Abba, Papa, Heavenly Father, we, we long so much to know your presence in our life. 
we hear the Christmas story, we, we, we see the images in our mind's eye and we wonder, how does it apply to our life? Thank you. Thank you for the way that you're showing us every day how much you love us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you're doing in our own life. God, today, for these who are gathered to worship you, whether they've chosen to be here on campus or whether they're with us online, God, would you speak healing? Would you speak security? Would, would you speak humility and peace in the midst of the insecurity and the anger and the animosity of the world in which we live? God, thank you for sending the baby who became the man, who became the savior for the world and who is our risen Lord. Jesus, thank you from the bottom of our heart. For it's in your name, your strong name that we pray.